Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. How hard is it for you stamina-wise? You, know, you get into one of those three or four hour shows. Well, you know, when I was young, I was young. Now, now that I'm, you know, 66, getting ready to be 67 in a, in a week and a half, uh, I'm uh, trying to bring what I have and then let the young kids do what they do. What about in terms of just your, you know, lips and things like that and your, and your wind? Well, you know, it's uh, what we do with P-Funk. Still, still does the thing, you know, and, and we're still working with mics, you know. It's like I don't do P-Funk shows without mics. But, uh, yeah, uh, chops are what they are. You know, technique is not what it was 30 years ago, but, you know, close enough for jazz. Hmm. How, how do you decide, like, um, among you guys on, on the arrangement or who might take a solo win, that sort of thing? Well, of the arrangements were already there when we got there. You know, as times pass, we start doing more arrangements. We do arrangements. You know, uh, Greg writes, Boy writes a, a lot of the stuff. When he wasn't there, you know, me and Greg wrote stuff. Greg writes a lot of stuff. And, you know, we decide, oh, we're doing this one. Oh, we're doing that one. You know, we never really got that caught up into, oh, well, we have to do this one because I wrote it, or we have to do that one because he wrote it. You know, it's, it's not that. So, you know, we, we just uh, just go by time. You never know. You might you might come up with something. It's like, hey, we need to do this, but we don't know where we're going to do it at. <laughs> you know, so, well, oh, let's do it right here. And uh, do you get reactions from George sometimes? Will he just like kind of give you like a real what 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 reaction from George makes you think, oh, yeah, that was good. He likes that. Talk to George and you're just kicking it and you talk about the show he would tell you what he likes I like this I like that you know uh, that one I'm not sure we'll do that and we talk music we talk music on on the show you're gonna always get the I love it response from him mm. you know? but you can look in his eyes and even though he's got the I'm Love it face and da 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 da. It's like, yeah, he's not loving that, you know. Mm -hmm. So next time you do the next one. Does it mean anything if he puts the mic in your in the bell of your horn, or is that just <laughs> do it anyway? 
he's he's gonna he's gonna do that. That's his, that's that's one of his things, and 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 I can appreciate that, you know. And the only the only problem with that is every now and when he does it, when he sometimes when we when he'll do it, the sound man will pull everything down. It's like immediately, so bam, everything's down, and he doesn't pull it back up. Oh, he starts pulling it up. Oh, I'll pull George's mic back up, but uh, you know, so you you have that problem. But when he when he does it, I already know he's I know it's coming usually. And when it's coming, I'll back off and you know, because I can play the same parts loud or softly. And so if he puts the mic in my bell, I, I immediately cut back. It's still gonna be very loud because the mic is in my bell, but um, you know, I, I cut back so it doesn't have that the same force and same wind level that'll really make it you know, be like, oh my God, what the hell was that? You know? <laughs> and so, yeah, but sometimes when he, when he brings it at, at a certain spot, it's like, oh shit, now I have to, you know, I have to, you know, straighten it. Or then you have to go back to your mic and it's like, oh, I can barely hear myself now, you know, because you don't have, you don't have that lead mic juice. Does it change the dynamic of the band much when somebody like uh, Blackbird uh, is not there and Michael comes back? Because uh, they have pretty different styles, I think. Um, yeah, 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 they do. And it makes a difference. But ever since I've been with P-Funk, there, there's always been musicians coming in and musicians going out for whatever reason. It's not always lit or fired or any of that, but it, it, it sometimes it, it, it winds up being personal reasons or, you know, situations. So, you know, when we had Mike and Bird, is it's really one thing, right? We've got Mike and Bird. So then when you have Mike or Bird, different thing. So, you know, then at the same time, when we had Mike and Bird, we also had Boogie and Gary. So, you know, which we know, Curry Space. Now now we've got Garrett and, 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 uh, and Traffiel, you know, so they do their thing, but you still need a Mike or a bird or a Mike and a bird or, 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 or Ricky Rouse. Yeah. Oh, man, it's incredible uh, history of players. Uh, Mike, I would say, is more, more rock, uh, and I would say mm -hmm. Blackbird's a little more jazz type. Yeah. Love them both. Yeah, Love well, them both. But, but but you still have to, you know, when you when you got them both, because they still even even either one of them, they still have to play the same songs. So mm -hmm. you know, if Mike's not there, you still play the, you know, we might miss one or you play the same songs. Or if Bird's there, you play the same songs. And if they're both there, then you get a different flavor on different songs. Definitely, yeah. They don't do maggot brain or cosmic slop and things like that. The same. They're definitely different. Well, and, and and nowadays on the shows, when we do the shows, the time factors are are as such that you know, there's so much material that that that's twenty, twenty five, thirty years old, and there's still new material that has come out that you know that we don't get to do all of them. You, we did the 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 funkadelic album, the 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 shake the gate thing. And uh, the last one, uh, uh, the one with, about the pills. Uh, Medicaid, Medicaid fraud dog. Medicaid fraud dog, yeah. So, you know, it's like uh, we, we were doing those. We, we worked them in. But it's, it's, a, it's a hard balance to get the songs that real hard P-Funk fans want to hear when they come to a P-Funk show and 
the new generation of people that say will be coming to, to see the shows when when they say it's my son and George's granddaughters and George's grandsons that are still doing Funkadelic, but they've brought the rap level to it too. And the new, you know, the new feels that they do to it. So, you know, it's, it, it's I guess we would have to have a, a six hour show. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I always love seeing the band, uh, for me, being a longtime fan, it's not as much fun if it's like one of the tight 90 minute sets because I know you guys have to get certain, you know, hits in and things right, like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, even with that, George will flip the script depending on how he's he's feeling. I give you know, it's like, hey George, we only we only got it's like, no, he'll go to, you know, downstroke. It's, uh, we're doing downstroke and we might do that for the next 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wait a minute, we still got to get the other stuff in. Yeah. Wait. You gotta be careful when it starts to feel too good. You just stay in the same groove too long. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it exciting though when you uh start to do a new song that maybe you haven't done before or haven't done in a long time? <laughs> if he pulls up one of the old ones that we haven't done in a in a long time and it's it's a certain amount of work or memory, it's like, yeah, that could be exciting. Because you, you don't want to you don't want to fall down the hole, but uh, yeah, if it's if it's something that you could you could pull up right off at the top of your head, you know, usually for the horns, it's not a it's not a problem pulling up pulling up older songs that we've done before. If we've done them before, we can usually pull them up. If we haven't done them before, then it's just a matter of do you even know what the part is supposed to be, you know? So if he does it on stage, and it's a song we we haven't done before, we may come up with arrangements that don't have anything to do with the song <laughs> and then go back and listen. And it's like, Oh, okay, well, this is the song. And then we know that if he does it again, but you know, if we, if we really don't know it and, and you haven't done it before, we just have to come up with something, uh, something uh, on, on the spare of the moment. Well, and the live context allows the opportunity to experiment a little bit, you know, cause some of those songs didn't have horns on the recording, but you guys are adding right, horns. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's always the thing, you know, when you when you have a clean slate, because and especially if it's a hit, you know, if it's a hit and it's a clean slate, it's like when you if you put something in, it might deter deter from the original palette that they were trying to to display. But it's like, oh, at the same time, uh, you need to put something there because you're working, depending on how long you're going to do it. You know, so it's like, OK, we will put this here. We'll put this there you know, just to try and augment what's already there. Did you get to spend much time with Bernie? Work with Bernie a lot. What can you tell us about went to, Bernie? Went to New Zealand with Bernie. Yeah, went to, uh, we, we've done sessions with Bernie. Bernie's, uh, I, I used to listen to Bernie long before I had a thought that I would be with Funkadelic. And I was, I was always amazed with his classical input, because uh, I was actually in in another life, uh, I thought thought that I had a, a a a possibility of doing classical trumpet, but it's like, oh, that's not going to happen. So you know, but in, in in any sense, you know, just working on certain classical things. When I heard him, it's like, oh, I I could immediately identify with him. And when I met him, we were able to talk and and discuss things musically 
that were like, oh, wow, he's really on that uh, another level. You know, it's like when you talk to a person, it's like, oh, we're talking. And then the conversation starts to go to, okay, now I'm just listening. And if you go further, it's like, okay, now I'm learning. And that's that was Bernie. Mm. So did he make, uh, you know, maybe horn part suggestions or arrangement suggestions or he didn't go there? No, no. I mean, on his music, when we did his shows, his music, he had parts. But when we were playing with Funkadelic, he never, it's like, oh, they got it. You know, he hear what we do. Now, if we didn't have it, which we usually did, but, you know, because I know with all the band, if you didn't have it, he would say, hey, it's this when it should be that. But with us, like, you know, he did his thing and he was content that we had what it was supposed to be. Is there any way you can verbalize, Benny, what it's like being on stage when Funkadelic is just in the pocket, deep groove, and it is that, you know, amazing spot that is just pure funk? Well, that's that's what it is. That's the funk. But, you know, just being there doing, you know, doing your part and knowing that, oh, some way the small part that I add to this makes this the whole that it should be. You know, it brings brings everything into the whole. You know, when all when all, all cylinders are fine, firing, we all come in and everybody's doing their thing and we don't have to like each other. We don't have to love each other. But when when the the beat comes down, bam, we're on, we're all on it. That's uh that's a good feeling. That's what music's about. Yeah. Do you feel like a spirituality through it? Well, I'm a, I'm a very spiritual person. And so yes, sometimes that does come into it, but uh, you can't as a professional musician you can't sideline yourself or sidetrack yourself to that and you know with the with the to the detriment of the actual job that you're doing right now you know in in the listening experience yeah you can go there but in the playing experience yeah, you know you don't want to go there right then you want to get it get it in I'm sure this must have happened at one point. It would happen to anybody. Did you ever like miss a cue or hit a sour note and just get kind of a look from <laughs> get a look from oh, George or something like come that? Come on, come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. But I never. Yeah. George is like I say. George is not the guy that's going to look to you for that. He, you know, usually and you know whoever in the band. First of all, as as a horn section, we're our, our we're our own. You know, it's like yeah, we we yell at each other. We you know we we do that. You know, but uh, no. Not not so much from George. George would let you know if it depends on how bad it is. If it's if it's bad, you know, since we talk personally, you know, he would say, Hey, that really sucked, which he's never said to me, you know. Because if, if it really sucks, believe me, at the moment of suckiness, I know it. You know, uh, no, we've never had that conversation. And put it in reality, and if it was really bad, it would be he would have someone come and tell you, hey. You're fired. Because I've seen I've seen him do that, and it's like, yeah, you know, at a certain time, he won't. It, it, it wouldn't be a drama, you know. He he doesn't he doesn't like a lot of drama, 
it would just be business. Speaking of that sort of thing, you know, and I had Greg uh, Boyer well, and Greg Thomas have been on the show. Um, but uh, when Greg Boyer was on, he talked about, you know, when he left for a while and that mm-hmm. uh, th- things got, you know, to a place where he didn't feel so comfortable and he didn't kind of like where it was going musically. Um, did you have any feelings about that? And what was it you think that allowed you to like stick with it? Well, it's where you're at in a at a particular time. So as time changes, people change, their outlook changes. So for me, when I came in, it was work. And so it was work. It's a job. There are plenty of jobs. And when we got to the time that you're talking about, when, when Greg left, it was it was getting it was getting rough and things were you know out of hand. But maybe at the same time, personally, yeah, I'm dealing with maybe different things. And so, you know, uh I'm not really in into trying to okay. We we work with we started doing gigs with the Gap Band, Cameo, Chuck Brown, doing other gigs because at that time, P-Funk wasn't really working as much. You know, it's like they would work maybe, you know, we, we might do three, four weeks in two, three months. So, you know, you need other work, you do other things. But I never really thought about, you know, getting with other bands. My concept was, and still is, that at some point, because you have a platform, Parliament Funkadelic, the P-Funk horns, that you should try and do some things yourself. You know, start from scratch and, you know, it's like, that's why I did. It's a real, it's, it's a horn thing, G, you know, which was, you know, yeah, years and years, years and years ago. I guess that was maybe t- what, eight, 10 years ago. And, you know, it's like, oh, if we start there, we can use this and do the other thing or the other thing. And so I wasn't really too, too, uh, too deep with just uh trying to get with another band and do another gig mm-hmm. and you know at that point some of some of that parliament problems had started to uh it started to correct so it was started to have some course correction and things were getting better so i, I was i was comfortable with what we were doing and at the main at the same time see you go on tour. I go on tour. I've been on tour for 43, 45 years. You know, I'm toured through all of my son's education. <laughs> you know, all, all, of, all of the important things in life, anniversaries, birthdays, you know, graduations, all that. I'm on tour. So, you know, at some point you, you, you take a minute and, and work on some of the other things in your life trying to secure that so that, you know, now... You know, even even though I'm not doing all the P-Funk's gigs, uh, I'm not, I'm comfortable. I'm not rich. I'm not, you know, wealthy, but I'm, I'm comfortable. I got a chicken in the oven. You know, I can eat a chicken. You know, I can get a soda. So, you know, I can come down here and, and work on music all day and nobody's going to get upset. So, you know, that's where life was going. And it all, it all depends on where you start and where you're trying to, trying to, to find yourself in, in the end. You know, uh, I've always wanted to be able to do something from scratch, something on my own, you know, and that's what the Baltimore Funk Foundation is. And it's not a just me thing. It's like, you know, Kevin Oliver, Skeet, Greg Boyer, they've all, you know, signed on. I'm bringing in all of the Baltimore guys from the early days and we started to do 
like real music to let the kids be exposed to. And hopefully if I can get the funds, I'm looking for grants and, and uh, I'm looking for grant opportunities to uh, try and take this to the schools so the kids can be exposed to our type of music, see how it relates to what they're doing today or what might they might want to do in the future, you know, because no matter what it is, if you're a drummer, you need to know how to do certain basic drummers, drum stuff. If you're a trumpet player, you need to know one or two scales at least, right? You know, as no matter no matter how fluent you are in other languages of the horn, the things you should be do be able to do, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, pass some of that on to the next generation. Funk for the future. Mm-hmm. Just popped in my head for some reason. Uh, how many trumpets do you have? One. I got one, two. I have one in the, on the stand down here. One on the stand upstairs because I keep it on the, on the on the stand in case I decide I want to play something, which I usually don't. So that's two, three, four, four trumpets, two flugel horns, got a vowel trombone and a piccolo trumpet. Hmm. And have you ever tried playing any other instruments aside from that type? Instead of brass horn, I I have a bass that I can't play, but I can beat out a, a thing to turn show to a real bass player. I've got a keyboard that I can play a couple of scales on or whatever, but I can get a certain chord structure if this is going to be the chord to try and write a song. So if I wanted to write a song, I want to use these chords, and then I give it to a real keyboard player, and it's like, wow, that's beautiful, though. I like that. It's like when I played it, it sounded like, you know, Mary had a little ha- little lamb, but just, you know, uh, from, from a writing standpoint, to be able to say, oh, major, minor, you know, diminish in your, your chord structure, I have a keyboard. But no, I haven't really shown any real proficiency on any other instruments. Mm. You know, on your record, uh, Benny, um, well, it, it seems like it was meant to be, right, from the 70s that Benny and the Jets would be one for you to do. <laughs> it, it, it really it really did. When I, first, when I first heard the song, I was like, what the hell are they talking about? You know, but uh, it, it, it just, you know, and, and all the kids in school, in the, in the music department, we'd be playing it on electric pianos because it just had that sound, right? And so when I finally came back and it's like, okay, I'm working on a song and I've been doing a lot of go-go because I, you know, I work with Chuck Brown, Little Benny and the Masters and with EU and, and you know, Sugar Bear and those guys over there. So, you know, I started getting into the, the mindset of, oh, so you could take a song, whatever kind of song it is, and you can put that go-go beat on it and make it something else, but you know it's like oh it it is it, it takes it takes more than just slowing it down. So yeah, I I decided yeah on on the album I wanted to put Benny and the Jets and I wanted to do it go go. Yeah, no, I love the treatment. Very cool. Um, you know, I hate yeah. the fact that uh, I put the album out since then. Uh, you know, uh, some some you know three of the guys on the album since then have passed away, and that's why. I really have kind of shot away from doing an, another, you know, another one of those albums. But um, so now down here, I'm working on a, a an album myself, me and my son, Skeet and, and John, uh, Jeff Bunn is on it. All the guys, we're doing some things for an album for me. We're working on the album for the uh, Funk Foundation. And uh, that's the that's the direction we're trying to go now. So there might be a couple CDs coming in the not too long future. Not not too long future. I, I was hoping to have mine because mine my personal is closer to finish, but I'm not trying to rush it. I was hoping to have mine before this uh, summer tour started. But you know, 
with the new online thing, there's no, there's really no, uh, there's no pressure that you have to get out before or after the tour starts because you could do just as well just selling it online or or at what performances you do. So you know that's not a thing. But for the Funk Foundation, the fear, the mere fact that, like I said, it's it's big band instrumentation on an R and B big band thing. It's going to take a little longer to get it out there. And so, like I said, before the tour starts, the, the website will be up. And, you know, if they if, if I can get, you know, people to take a look, follow, uh, you know, as soon as it comes out, it should be really, really different. And on, on your record, um, you know, you did some unexpected things like Wichita Lyman, you know, and so you obviously have <laughs> a pretty wide palette of tastes, right? Well. You know, for me, music is music. And if I like a song, that's the, it's, it's, it's like, oh, it doesn't all have to be, it doesn't all have to be funk. It, you know, like I say, I, I I try to do dabble in classical music. You know, I, I dabble in jazz, although I'm not a jazz player by any any stretch of the imagination, but I, I dabble because if you do a song nowadays, you, you put a song out and it's a horn lead, it's considered jazz for no matter what you say. Mm. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned uh, the Chuck Brown thing. Actually, the go-go treatment, I was thinking of um, what Funkadelic did with um, Sunshine of Your Love. You know, they did the go-go mm -hmm. thing on that, uh, which was cool. I don't think it got as enough exposure as it should have. But um, did you uh, play with... Uh, Chuck Brown when he was still with us, or or was it the band after? Yeah, that? no, I played with Chuck Brown for years. Oh, okay. years so and years. You know, we we were with Chuck Brown. We've got a call. Uh, he's got an album out. Chuck Brown with the P Funk Horns. Uh, was wind me up, Chuck. Was Chuck Brown the P Funk Horns? That was years and years ago. But you know, like I say, my 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 memory for dates is is lacking. But oh no, we were with Chuck Brown. For years, in fact, you know, not just me and Gr me, Greg and Greg, but we also brought in Gary Hudge, who you know was the keyboard player for the Brides, and we brought in Skeet. You know, he did some with us. So yeah, you know, we we got a <laughs> an express track to go go, and on my CD and the 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 uh, Baltimore Funk Foundation, you'll see some heavy remnants of real go go. I've never gotten, you know, I've listened to plenty of, it, of course, but I've never gotten to go to an actual show in D.C. You know, and experience. Oh my that. god. Oh my God! <laughs> I tell you a funny story. I was playing with a band, and I'm not going to name them, but they were a popular band, really good, good band. I mean, you know, New York musicians were, you know, New York musicians, and we were playing, uh, we were playing Capital Center, and it was New Year's Eve, right? And and so it had like. 10, 10 bands on the show and they're doing the show because it's, it's a go-go show. We don't know it. Then we did our set and we we did great. We had a great set and the crowd liked it, right? So the end of the show, you comes out, right? And it's like, you know, the guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did the 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 the, the roll-in drum, and they came in with the downbeat, bam, right? And when they hit that downbeat, everybody in the capital sort of jumped up. And start doing the go-go thing, and and it was like, what the, and, and 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 all my guys from the band was like, you know, they they just didn't get it. But it was like that 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 go-go thing is is primal, and when it hits, it hits. 
Wow, sounds like it'd be an amazing experience. You know, I remember they thought it was going to be the next big thing, you know, and it didn't really go mainstream like they thought. But uh Well, because they 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 kind of went weaponized, they they like they try to do with some of the uh rap music today, they tried to say that it inspired violence because as you know, DC things were going on and it was it was getting some it was they were having encounters that were violent and they 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 kind of locked the music into just our region because they they had fed that thing of the violence. But the the problem was just as it is now, you know, it's like you go places and and people are 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 more violent now. Mm. What what was Chuck Brown? We like? actually put out a song. Well, actually, Chuck put out a song. DC is no Dodge City, which was an anti-violence song back then. So, you know, but to you to your question, Chuck, great guy, um, wonderful musician. I mean, you know, a he's he was a, the outlier of musicians that could play pretty much all the styles, right? Could sing what he wanted, understood the music, and you know, that's how that's how his bands were always able to have, you know, it's like if you went, went and heard a Chuck Brown band, you're gonna hear some real changes, you know, because when we do, he would take a certain any song and and just take heavy jazz changes and roll them into that go-go beat. Cause you know, we had a we had, you know, a lot of a lot of real players that could could play that stuff. And Chuck really understood stood music so you know it wasn't just oh we're we're playing a good beat and and you know clapping our hands shaking tambourine he was actually playing the real changes if somebody asked you to explain the difference between funk and go-go what would you say hmm i i would say they might be different sides of the same coin you know, uh, it's it's regional as opposed to well. You know, we did go go. We we used to tour, you know, Europe with, with with Chuck. So you know, it was worldwide. But you know, they really made go go regional. But it would still be when it all when it's all said and done, it would still be funk. You know, just like you have country and you got bluegrass and you know those kind of things. It's, is you know is it comes down to the same audience and the same feel but just slightly different i think in gogo they might use the you know as 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 a whole they might use more jazz changes and funk might be more of a on the one thing you know it, it would it be correct to say that in general in gogo the uh like bass and guitar parts maybe are a little less complex than in a lot of funk. Uh, I don't. I, I I can understand how someone would think that, but then it's it's like you would have to listen to different go go bands because certain of them, like I said, with Chuck as being an outlier. We did a lot of complicated changes and stuff. But yeah, with, with a funk band, I have, you know, more quick changes, different things. So yeah, I, I can see you saying that, but there's always an outlier. Mm. 
those other groups you mentioned that you worked with, uh, was there another favorite besides Chuck Brown that you really enjoyed working with? Um, I liked working with Little Benny and the Masters. You know, we did some recording with them. We did some shows with them. But if you were going to do Go-Go, you had a choice, you were working with Chuck Brown. You know, it's like it, it was Chuck Brown and then there was everybody else. That, but there were a lot of those in the, everybody else, too. You still had, you know, like you had Little Bitty, you had the, uh, Trouble Funk, you had uh, uh, EU. You know, all of those guys were significant. You know, all, all of those guys did the thing. He had hits to them, made money. But, you know, if you were going to do Go-Go, at that time, you were, if you wanted to do Go-Go, you were going to work with Chuck Brown. It was Russell. Chuck Brown and everybody else. Roughly what year did you first connect with him, would you say? Uh, uh, like I said, my 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 I phase in and out on 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 is but I guess it must have been 80, 80s, 85, maybe, 85, 95, something like that. Mid eighties. Okay, that that, that doesn't have a that doesn't have a date <laughs> on it. I, I look at the poster, I got the I got the Chuck Brown poster right there. Yeah, I see. If you can see it, yeah. Yeah, I can know. see. Uh, live at live at the uh, <laughs> live at Tramps. Um, was there anybody that uh, in all these years touring with P Funk was were there one or two acts that really impressed you with the show that they did and uh, the show that they do? You know, whether it was a uh, Barcays or uh, it could be anybody, Rick James or I don't know any any of the groups. Okay, when I was playing with P Funk, we we you got to remember, we played with all the bands. So yeah, I, I, uh, there were some that that uh, especially the ones that we toured with longer. Because when you play when you play with the same band every night for a couple of months, you get to see what they're really about. And yeah, there were a lot of bands that I that I really liked, and there were other bands that uh, not so much. Um, the insane clown posse when we played with them. Oh my! They were they were. It was like that was something I hadn't seen before. The way they did their thing. Um, I liked it when we played with uh with the Gap Band. You know, back back when they were you know the young Gap Band. It was like that was really uh, a nice thing. I liked what they had. But there were there were lots lots and lots of bands that I that I really did like, you know. Um, hmm. None 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 stunts really stick off the top now, but you know, like um, we I liked Graham Central Station. I really liked Graham Central Station, and I guess the best the best band I liked Casey and the Sunshine Band. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard them live? Just on video, or I never saw them live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they we we did their live show. I really I really dug them. They had a big horn section, big horn section that was really really tight too. So you know, KC was uh, they were surprising. Yeah, they had sort of like a Tower of Power, Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of horns, like right, really bright and crisp. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and well written. But you know who I had on the show recently is Jimmy Bohorn. Do you remember that name? 
He had a hit in 1978, Dance Across the Floor. He was produced by Casey and the Sunshine Band. He came from the same. So they backed him up. They played his music. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome. Cause, uh, Casey had a, had a great sound when, when I heard them it was like, Oh, okay. You know, not just, just the popcorn that you might hear on the radio. Yeah. Well, I thought when they first came out, they had some funk happening, but then they kind of went more in a pop disco way. Well, I I can understand that, you know, it's like, hey, you want to, you want to make some money. That's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was about. Um, what what would you uh how would you describe your signature sound playing your instrument? Okay, well, I'd like to have I I I feel as though I have a certain tone that if it if it gets enough bandwidth, people can feel it. And I try to go for of course, you want to be in tone and you want to be in tune. And, you know, I think I try to try to have a little brighter sound, you know, on, on my horn with my equipment that I, I, I tend to, you know, especially on the P-Funk gig, because uh, a lot of a lot of uh, the horn work in P-Funk is accent oriented and, you know, pop oriented. So, you know, I put the upper register stuff. I like to have a little brighter sound. And, and I really like to have people feel it like, oh, they can feel him. So if 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 that gets at anywhere near what you're asking. When I think of trumpet solos and the whole canon of P-Funk, one of the ones that jumps to mind is I uh, do that stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I I did that. I did that one. Well, we do that from time to time. And uh you want to be ready for that one because it usually comes way late in this show, way late in the song. And then, you know, uh, uh, Rick and Kush, they would push that thing up there. And, you know, because really either one of them would do it at any given time. Sometimes they do the show with just Kush, sometimes with just Rick, but either one of them would do it. And it's like, yeah, when it comes to that, you have to be ready. Hmm. Do you have any, uh, a couple of tips for young aspiring horn players? Long tones, you know, do, do, do your long tones, which will help you develop your lip and, and your, your tone and uh, work your low notes. The low, the low notes will open up the upper register for you. The trumpet always seems so hard to me. I played sax, alto sax, you know, and just to be able to do so much only with, you know, your mouth. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. and have that control. It's just impressive. Well, it, it it all comes down to the very earliest part of your entrance into the, the instrument. Studying those little basic things is so boring, you know the the long notes and the four four on and four off, and then the four on and four off, and those type of things. But they really, as time goes by, help you to develop, you know. And then, like I said, work on a scale every now and then, you know. Major or minor scales are always helpful in trying to develop both your ear and your sound. So, you know, uh, those, those are two things that for the youngest person, the person that maybe even just picked up a horn today, you know, you get the little little uh, jazz band book with the whole notes written out and the, the fingering chart, and, you know, do those. And, and, and don't get discouraged because, believe me, I'm in the hotels now, 
<laughs> and when I start to, I don't practice the stuff that I can play. So when you hear me in the hotel next day, you're gonna go, shut up, get out of here, you know, because it's, 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 you know, it's, it, if it's practice, it's practice. And if it, if, it, if it sounds really good, if you're in the hotel and the person next to you is, is playing their horn and they sounding really great, they're not practicing. Are there one or two tracks that are just like your favorite to play in, in P-Funk? P-Funk songs, shows? Uh, no, no, not really, because I can't afford to get, you know, I can't afford to get connected to songs. We just have to be prepared to play whatever George decides to play. You know, if, if he, if it's, if it's stand on the verge today, today is stand on the verge. If Funky Teleki tomorrow, it's Funky Teleki tomorrow. So, you know, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what it'd be the sound of the, of the thing. If we, if we're playing it right and we, 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 we're tight and we're right, I like that. It doesn't matter what song it is, but you know, as, as far as personal, I can't get involved in, in, in whatever it is. It's like, whatever comes down, I have to, you know, try to give it a hundred percent to make my part of it proper. Did you ever think George would still be doing it? I mean, well, I, I, when he, I when he first when he retired the first time, I thought, oh, okay, he's retired, and um, I guess that was around Glory Hollow Stupid. Because when we were doing that album, we were touring, and he he would come, you know, he was at the shows, but he wasn't performing. He was, you know, he was retired. So that was the first retirement. And when he came back after that, it was like he's not retiring. So so when we did the retirement tour, it's like. He's not retiring. And this this particular tour now that he says the final retirement tour, eh, I, 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 like I said, I'm at a point now in my life where I can physically do it and the playing of it, I'm going to do it. And he can still physically do it. He's not stopping. So for you, you uh, you're going to continue with like the East Coast gigs? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing um, this, this tour that's coming up. Hopefully I'll be on it, you know, uh, do the thing as, as much of it as, as I can do or, you know, as much of it as they can make happen. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So you're going to come down my way that there's a Charlotte show in August. Yeah, I, I would I would really expect if, if even if I didn't make the West Coast stuff, which I'm trying to make, I'm looking forward to trying to make the West Coast because it's the West Coast. But uh, yeah, Charlotte, I'm pretty sure I'll be down there. Outstanding. All right. So is there any stone uh, left unturned that I haven't gotten into uh, for you or the, or P-Funk? Um, I don't know. You, we've covered a lot of ground, but you know, here I am. So if we missed anything, we can get it the next time. Uh, sounds good. Do you want to, uh, one more time, uh, give the website and that good information? www.baltimorefunkfoundation.com. But I haven't put the website up yet. It'll, you know, it's, it's finished. I'm just waiting on uh, because we're doing as a as a community organization. We may have some uh, some articles that we would probably try to sell to raise funds or whatnot, and we haven't put that together yet. So that's the hold up in putting it up. But uh, if 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 nothing else, before the tour starts, it'll be up just to let people know that it's coming. Oh, that's okay. I mean, it'll be a few weeks before this airs because I got to edit it and and all that good stuff. So it, oh, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah. So that's the beauty of recording this instead of doing it live, you know. Um, mm -hmm, so hopefully mm -hmm. that time will work out well and they'll go to the site and you'll have something up. Um, Great. 
Last question, Benny, is, you know, what would you say with your career you're most proud of? Okay. I'm proud of the fact that even though I've toured for 45, 40, I don't know, ever years, I was able to keep my family together. And now at a point when I'm looking at, you know, uh, laying back a little, doing a little less, I still have the family because it's like, well, what did you work for all that time is to be able to say, hey, if I don't tour, I can go down in the basement and play my keyboard and record stuff on, 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 you know, do my thing. So, you know, because I, I know lots of people that have had several families over the, the length of time that I've just, the length of time I've been with PFUNK. So to be able to keep my family together, I've got a wonderful wife and, you know, my young son, he's doing his thing. But to be able to, to keep the family together over through all this time, and we it hasn't been easy. But to, to make that happen, that's probably what I'm most proud of. That and still being alive. <laughs> well, that's an accomplishment worth being proud of for sure. I mean, you're such a, yeah, road, a road warrior, road dog, man. And yeah, go through it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, we we were road dogs before it became a thing. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Benny, man, it's been fun. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the great music you've given us. Hey, well, hopefully we'll be sending some more your way. And, you know, now that we're, we're, we're in line, I'll, I'll make sure when, it, when, it, when any of it comes, you'll be the first to know. Love that. Maybe second, because my wife, I always tell her everything first. <laughs> Fair enough. I understand. All right. Well, God bless. Take care. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. You too. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest, as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder... You can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, Shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg.funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.